welcome to Mrs. King's Chronicles, a podcast to discuss the 1980s TV show Scarecrow Mrs. King. I'm Jen Peterson, and I'm joined by friends Lexi Fema and Taya Johnston, and today we'll be talking about the season four episode, A Matter of Choice, which actually aired before the Khrushchev list on May 21st, 1987. However, we have placed it after that episode in our revised season four order. This episode was directed by Bert Brinkenhoff. Bert directed many of our favorites, including Where It All Started, of course, The Pilot, uh, Utopia Now, Wrong Number, Stemwinder Parts 1 and 2, Rumors of My Death, and Do You Take This Spy? A Matter of Choice was written by a team of David Brown, Lynn Kelsey, and Lee Maddox, and we've talked about all of it before. David wrote J. Edgar's Ghost, Drawn Number, The Boy Who Could Be King, Photo Finish, Promises to Keep, and When Flew East. So we have several interesting guest stars to talk about. Uh, first, I'll talk about Michael McRae, who played the episode's bad guy, and Lee's nemesis, Nathaniel Brody. Michael also played Brody in season three episode, The Eyes Have It. He was born in Salem, Massachusetts, and started acting in 1974 in Gunsmoke and after went on to act in 85 projects, including shows like NYPD Blue, uh, the movie Battlefield Earth, X-Files, JAG, MacGyver, uh, 21 Jump Street, Moonlighting, and many others. He also played Dodd in the Rookie Season 4, Episode 13. Unfortunately, this was one where Kate, Kate's character was absent. His last credit was in 2007, called A Very Sorry Wedding. The second guest star uh, I'll talk about is Murphy Dunn played Agency's Dr. Faff. We also saw him in The Pharaoh's Engineer, and we are off to see The Wizard. Murphy is from Chicago, and he's known for acting in The Blues Brothers in 1980 and 1998, as well as several TV series ranging from The Monitors in 1969 to his most recent show, Pretty Little Liars, in 2007. And in between in there, there's some sprinkling of shows like Knott's Landing, Liver and Shirley, with some buddies, Benson, and the Facts of Life. The third guest star I'll talk about is David Haskell, who played Francine's past love interest, Jonathan Stone. David entered this episode after just finishing a whopping 175 episodes of Santa Barbara as Nick Hartley. This, I actually watched Santa Barbara as a, as a teen, so I don't remember him, but it was one of my favorite soap operas. He also played on the soap opera Knott's Landing, like Murphy, Falcon Crest, and Generations. His last acting credit was in 1998 on Home Improvement. He passed away soon after in 2000 at only 52 of brain cancer, which is kind of sad. You'll catch a theme here with Knott's Landing. Many of these actors all were involved in the Knott's Landing project, so this was a, probably a bit of a reunion for them. Uh, the fourth guest star I'll talk about is Conray Gideon, played by who played Dr. Dunleavy. Conray was born in Jamaica and started acting in 1987. He worked on several 80s and 90s projects, such as The Jeffersons, Gimme Break, Dynasty, Airwolf, Highway to Heaven, Hunter, Knott's Landing, Doogie Howser, and The Bold and the Beautiful. His last project was in 1997. Kevin McBride played Brody's right-hand man, Garrison. Kevin's first acting credit was in The A-Team in 1983, which I, I watched The A-Team as a youngster, which is kind of weird, but I liked all those action shows. Uh, he then went on to play in Hunter, Knox Landing, Babylon 5, Murphy Brown, and his last credit was in the TV series Rugrats. David Starwall played Chase, the one caught after the shootout and interrogated by Dr. Faff. David is known for acting in Predator 2 in 1990, Jag, and Good Guys Wear Black in 1977. And that's all I had for the guest stars. Francine's long-lost ex-fiancé re-enters her life as part of a plan to kidnap a scientist and Lee searches for an old nemesis. 
Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. That's not, see this this one's so boring it's not even it's not even that you can't even do dun, dun, dun. all right hold on except for lee and his nemesis maybe but yeah that's about that's it, it. yeah and even that's kind of like meh. okay so we do have a script and it is a shooting final dated march 16th 1987 so we'll be interjecting those differences as we go through as always okay so a matter of choice, uh, and I have to say, uh, as a matter of my choice, I find this one to be my least favorite of the entire series. And yes, I'm looking at you. It's in the water. You, you get a reprieve because of this episode. It's just, I, I, at least we get to see Amanda slash Kate in, in it's in the water. This one to me is boring af i mean just well even the story isn't that in the story it frustrates me because and i do like to see the softer side of of martha and her acting but it just doesn't ring true to me that she's just so meek and like unsure of herself it just frustrated me and i i just i i it, I, I, this is for such a weaselly guy, yes. too. Like, and it's over a guy number it's, one. If, if he was hotter, you would be okay now. with it. <laughs> I love that. Just, no, yeah. like, weasel, not, it's not yeah. anything about looks. It's just him. Like, he flaked on her years ago, and then yeah. she goes back to him. Yeah. And he treats her terribly, and then she goes on fucking vacation with him. I think not. That yeah. is not a Francis. <laughs> but it all. just goes I to show, like, even that. the strong women. <laughs> can fall back into those easy to you know your 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 um what i'm what's the word i'm looking for uh fall back into your traditional role or no um habits like you just fall into these bad habits where you think you deserve to be treated less than what you should be treated you know and it's just it's so easy and and it's like even a woman as strong as she is right i mean because she's pretty badass even even she can fall into that oh i have to change who i am in order for this man to want to be around you know be with me and it's just sad i got a little bit of that but i thought more i think after she had the conversation with lee you know when they were having kind of that heart to heart Mm -hmm. uh later in the episode that she was also kind of just reassessing her life and where she's at. And, you know, she had to make certain choices to be the agent and be the tough yeah. woman. Because and what her dad wanted. That, and, yeah. That she just maybe had, you know, everyone I think that makes those choices has some regrets at some point in their life where they're like, well, if I prioritized that, then maybe I'd have a family and kids. And, yeah. You know, I think that's only natural. So I think there was some of that going on. It wasn't just her you know, being weak with the boyfriend, although I can see that he was kind of a spineless guy. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, you know, I think there's some legitimate angst there for her. Yeah. Would, oh, for know. sure. It was, it's not, and I think I said it doesn't ring true. It does ring true in the fact that that's how women can tend to what they can do sometimes is they change who they are in, in order to, because they think that that person wants them to be a certain way. And it just kind of highlights that. But it frustrates me that she felt she had to do that. That's what frustrates me with it. Well, what do you think she changed to be with him? Well, just even as soon as she has, as soon as she sees the that he's on the phone with her, she like changes her persona. She just, she kind of makes herself smaller unnecessarily. She makes herself smaller and like uh, kowtows to what he wants and instead of doing what she wants you know she wants to tell him to go fly up 
fly a kite somewhere. And instead, she's like, oh, okay, I'll go to dinner with you. I kind of, I, I can see that. I kind of saw it more as hurt. Like, she oh, yeah, she's definitely hurt. This situation because it was dredging up all those feelings and hurt and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think I would be reluctant to see an ex that I, you know, that it hurt me pretty bad. But I, I think it but then she falls right back like, into it. You know, she had a lot of like gumption for her to go meet him. I mean, she could have just said, forget it. You know, I'm not going to face you. That's what I'm saying. That that seems to be more of who she was. But he comes into the picture and she's just like, oh, I'm going to forgive him. And she can. That's her prerogative. No, no slam on that at all. I just it she seems to just get she's her her personality to me it came across that she just changes and made herself smaller for his benefit because it was like, she felt like maybe he thought it was too much for, you know, for him so that she made herself smaller for him. And I just, I, that makes me sad. Yeah. I guess I can see that. I don't want to keep disagreeing with you. I, I think it was a little bit like her showing some vulnerability emotionally. Yeah. Which I thought I kind of liked. I did like that part. Because she she is kind of just presents herself as the tough, you know, with a a man early in the series, you know. But she like jumps right into bed with him. Like. Well, yeah, that. Almost immediately. And she's just. Instead of being like, hey, buddy, if you want to be with me, you need to do X, Y, and Z, and you need to make yourself worthy to me, you know? It should have taken a lot longer for her to get to that point. But we are in a TV series. I know, I know. Forward. It's just so I, I, I do forgive them a little bit for that. But yeah, it, it was a little like, huh? I don't think I would forgive. Them and I know, way, like, I know he's you know redeems himself somewhat in the end like he's doing it because he's worried about her and he thinks you know he's being tricked but it's also like god you're such a loser like dude you know i just lexi you got to come on because we got to have your opinion on this believe it or not i side a little bit more with jen i didn't see it that she was making herself smaller i because of the conversation with lee where she's like i could have made different choices so i feel like she was exploring this previously existing relationship even though he didn't treat her well then and he's certainly not treating her well now she's like exploring the potential of like maybe making a different choice okay like in the future so i can see that i i will agree on that but that comes but, way later that comes much later toward the end of the episode yeah i don't know why she gave him the time of day to begin with that's but my point i think it comes back to that and they explain why yeah in the later part yeah. of the episode like because you're left wondering like why would she even do that but i know what you're saying when she's on the phone and she gets like a little bit more meek too. yeah that's i just that's... think the motivations for it were she's hurt and she wants potentially making a different decision maybe yeah. she and want... kinda, her like, wanting closure you know, too Yes, exactly. I was just gonna say that, like, when relationships go wrong, you want to know why yeah. you have the person to call it off, and yeah. she's always the one to call it off in her relationships. And it sounds like this guy was the one to do that to her. She's gonna yeah. want to know why, and she's probably like her ego and just being a general took, person. If she liked the guy, it took a beating probably. That that was probably super, you know, tough on her because. Because like you said, she's not used to that. So, Uh, okay, well, good. So we are at Dulles and uh, it's late at night and uh, we get uh, quite a bit of the kind of people watching as I what I always I love when I'm in public, I get to people watch people. So um, we get to see a lot of different people. They're kind of focusing on agents. They're clearly agents that are kind of pretending to just be hanging around waiting for their flights and such. Um, But they are definitely 
very specific people um, that we um, will later see uh, within the agency work. Uh, we see somebody that we actually recognize, uh, Efren Beeman, and he's at the airport. This is, I've only done this one time, I don't know about you guys, but um, with a flight where I actually had to go out to the tarmac and then get on the plane instead of going through the runway, uh, going through the uh, the breezeway and all that stuff that like internally staying inside. Have you guys ever done that? Have to go out to the tarmac on anything? Yeah. 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 I've only had to do yeah. it one time. I can't remember. It was recent, but I can't remember what it was for. Mine was in Europe. It was a Ryanair flight and it was the shittiest flight I've ever done. <laughs> oh, no. Or spirit. Oh, it's a man. budget airline for a reason. Wow. You know, I think mine might have been when I had to go to San Francisco for work, maybe. It might have been that one. I don't remember. That was the only time I had to do that, though. Our airport, Portland International, um, there's just some flights that are funneled out. Oh, the really? That's just the way it is. Yeah. Hmm. Especially if you're just taking a hopper to Seattle or... Yeah, and once like I think in Hawaii, I, we got out on the tarmac, which was kind of cool. And now that I think about it, it, it was at night because it was dark out, I remember. But I can't remember where it was for. But yeah, I'd it's never okay. done. It's that was the only time I've ever done that. It was weird. There's something invigorating about it because you're like, I'm not supposed to be out here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was kind of weird. It, it did. That's how I was like, because I had never done it before. And I was like, whoa, this is weird. You know, it's kind of loud. And it was, it was definitely different. We had to stand in line for a while, too, I remember, out there. So you're out there for a while going, holy crap, am I supposed to be here? <laughs> yeah, talk about people watching. Not only that, but you're like looking at all the planes. Like, yeah. and they're so big. They too. are. Like, not that they're really close to them, right? But even a little one that you're yeah. going because it's just a little plane. Like, it's like, wow. But this is what's carrying us across <laughs> exactly. large distances. Like, hope we don't die. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh no I have to go on a flight soon I'm, I'm already nervous <laughs> now I'm gonna think about all that uh so we're out on the tar- tarmac with uh with them and we're seeing people coming in then we see Lee and he he looks like he has a lightsaber I swear my kid has one of those <laughs> it looks like a little lightsaber it's just like uh those flashing lights for the people for the planes to to bring him in and such uh he's got one of those he's definitely got an earpiece in and he's uh, waiting uh, and he looks pretty scruffy I don't like how they did his makeup I wish they would have just said hey Bruce like grow a beard for oh, a couple yeah. of days you know because it just looks so dirty and fake <laughs> to me I don't yeah know. it does I thought that the whole episode yeah I mean, okay how hard is it just to grow yeah just grow a little bit I mean, and he, he can grow one we've all obviously seen him with beards before yeah um, obviously not on this show but so we're seeing people coming uh Deplaning is that what that is? Disembarking, deplaning, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, coming off the plane and they're coming through. We also see Jonathan come through. <laughs> we don't know it's Jonathan at the time, but it definitely is Jonathan Stone. Then we see people that are waiting for their family to come, and and then we see two payphones. Lexi, those are called payphones. I know you probably don't remember those. <laughs> I never used the one in a booth, but the ones that you have it, like gas stations outside of it, yeah, like those ones. Oh, I've I've used one or in a, a booth. My middle school had one. We weren't allowed to have cell phones at school at all, so oh. if we needed to call our parents. We weren't allowed to use the office or a teacher like desk phone. We had to use the payphone. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Got it. I've changed everything. I've changed your screw. Oh my God. When, you know, when my husband then at the time boyfriend was, he was in Germany for the summer. Cause that's where his family lived in Germany. 
And uh, and then during the summer, he was home because he wasn't in school in the States. So we couldn't talk very often because it was so expensive. Well, I would take a ton of change and go down to the pay- local payphone, like go at a gas station where they had a payphone. And I'd put in like all this money in there and it would cost so much <laughs> to talk to him for like two minutes. And I remember the operator came on and said, you owe $5 and whatever, you know, they let me talk longer than what I had. And I didn't have any more money. So I, I'm like, Lane, I got to go and hung up. They called Lane back and they're like, what was that person's name? And they're gonna like <laughs> try and collect the money from me or you. something. And he made oh my, my husband's so smart. Uh, he he made up a name, <laughs> in a totally different location and everything. Isn't that funny? I thought I just had up on you when you ran out of time. I know that's what I thought. I'm like, well, you kind of you you like led me into that lady. You didn't tell me I was you know <laughs> going trapped, over. They trapped you in. Yeah, it was an entrapment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that I remember that. Time that I that I'm not willing to pay for now. So I was like 18 years old, not even 18. I think I w- I was like 17 or 18 years old, and and I'm thinking, oh my god, they're gonna come and get me. <laughs> that was such a goody goody. I would have thought that too. You would have too. Okay, good. I'm not like <laughs> yeah, for sure. Lame. Okay, good. <laughs> I was totally yeah, paranoid no. about that. So, like, were you just sitting and you were had to wait for them for his letter to come and be like, I gave a fake name or something? Like, how did you even find yeah, out? Yeah, that's how he told me. <laughs> Lexi, we have letters. We have them still. I We I have know, a stack of letters so each. We both have them of all the letters we wrote each other oh, during that I time. That. That's the cutest. And actually, oh, we cute. built our relationship. It, uh, that's why I think why we have such a knock on wood strong relationship is because we... we got to know each other really before we got to know each other you know what i mean mm-hmm. so. yeah it was a long process yeah it was so so were you like in the phone booth wiping down the receiver for fingerprints i should have thought of that especially because i love spy stuff all, so much you know but no i didn't think of that i was just like get out of here before they come and send somebody to get me you know that's what i was thinking like they're gonna send local police to get me <laughs> yeah it was a brilliant on Lane's part, though, to be like, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was Tina Miller. And she's <laughs> from <in> Hoboken. <laughs> uh, it was funny. Anyways, back to the telephone booth. So there's one gentleman in the telephone booth and there's another gentleman coming up and he gets in on the other one. And then they kind of make eye contact and realize that these are the people that they're the ones that they're there to meet in the script slight difference very little which I have to ask you guys I'm wondering if you guys know what this is Kleiner says to Chase I was supposed to meet Mr. Hans Kleiner here and then Chase says into the phone I understand he wears a Mackinac and a plaid cap now in the film version he says I understand he wears a hat and a cashmere coat but what is a Mackinac I don't know. I have to just look it up. Yeah. I'm just like, what is a Mackinac? I mean, I know what Mackinac Island is here in Michigan, you know, up in the upper peninsula, but I don't know what a Mackinac is. He wears a Mackinac and a plaid cap. Mackinac cloth is a heavy and dense water repellent woolen cloth. I have a coat. Is a coat? Oh, maybe it's saying, I understand he wears a Mackinac and plaid cap. So his cap is that material and it's plaid. Okay, now I get yeah. it. I was reading it wrong. Because it says the contemporary Mackinac jacket, also known as a Mackinac coat, is a short double-breasted coat made of thick, heavy wool material, generally with red and black plaid pattern. 
Okay, so he's got a Mackinac and plaid cap. Got it. Now that makes more sense. Thank you for opening my eyes on that. But in this, in the film version, yeah, very specific. In the film version, uh, he's got uh, a hat and cashmere coat, which is a lot easier, which he actually is not wearing a cashmere coat. So they missed that one. (laughs) They realize that they're each other's contacts and they are talking and everybody's watching, meaning Lee is watching and unbeknownst to him, the agency's there as well because Beeman's there with another agent and Beeman's a spaz here. Yeah. Uh, I I thought so too. <laughs> like he's yelling at, at Lee saying, You screw this up, but it's like, dude, you're the one who like got trigger happy and what the heck? What you know, why'd you move so quick like that? Like that was stupid anyways. I mean yeah. he's more of an analyst anyways, but still. Kleiner, which Kleiner's the one who's got the hat and the supposedly cashmere coat, uh, he's saying he's damn tired after the six hour flight and uh He's definitely got a German accent. He also is saying that he wanted to take control of the civilian contractor who flew in with him. So he's admitting that there's somebody else on the flight that is involved in this. So essentially what he's saying is there's somebody else who is uh, the contact on the flight with him. And so Lee doesn't know who that is. So he wants to find out who it is so that he can stop this, right? Because that's going to be the key to getting to Brody. But before he has a chance to tell him who it is, because he's like, oh, uh, who is it? He goes, I'll, I'll point him out to you at the baggage claim. So meaning they're going to just follow him out there. That guy with the mustache and the curly hair, man. What? I mean, that's just rough. That's a rough. He hit. He got beat with the ugly stick. Um. Yeah. He's not. He's not attractive. <laughs> that mustache is just hideous. Yeah. It's like almost. It makes me think it's fake. It's so bad. He looks like a monkey or something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He's got really bushy eyebrows. He's got really bushy hair, and then he's got that horrid mustache kind of funny before they even get a chance to do anything as we just said beeman and his cohort just goes and it actually is more the guy the, the other guy the other agent he's the one who comes out guns ablazing first and then beeman follows him because he has to back him up right and they're like freeze don't move and then you hear gunshots and it's like dude and then lee's like no no they're lucky lee's lucky he didn't get like friendly fire or something there you know they could have easily shot at him you know when that spaz when they're spazzing out like that he's like what are you doing so two guys are hit and then monkey man is uh kind of like well i'm just gonna put my arms up and just wait this was infuriating to me beeman comes over to so beeman's an analyst first off and he comes up to a senior agent and then bites his head off like that and says you screw this up we had kleiner on a fugitive warrant like you're dealing with warrants he's like a top agent dude what are you doing what are you thinking i don't know where he gets always right he has he has a lot of unwarranted arrogance behind some of his character traits like yeah hasn't he like i feel like in almost all interactions specifically with lee he's always questioning him or trying to belittle him and it just indicates that he is a bitter inferiority complex and yes yeah yes yes yeah exactly like yeah. he's just so threatened by lee and his like whole yep. like, everything about lee that he blames him and i don't i feel like lee i mean he yelled at beeman right but he yeah. kind of really set him 
Yeah, he needs that to be like, <laughs> watch who you're talking to, young man, you know, because exactly. the last time we saw him, Beeman was yelling at him about Amanda and saying how she mm-hmm. goes, you know, he lets her get away with everything and all that. And it's like, yeah. dude, you need to check yourself before he wrecks exactly. yourself. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Amanda's never accidentally shot someone who uh and, and like messed up this like like right. Beeman did. Yes. Yes, exactly. Let alone Lee. Exactly. But Lee's definitely I mean, you kind of see hints of uh Lee from burnout, you know, like when he was in burnout. It's kind of like I was just thinking that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you kind of see hints of that where he's kind of like, so you think, well, maybe this is a time he is going to be burnt out, you know, and this is legit yes. this time, you know? It seems like it, too, especially when he's talking to Amanda in the limited interaction. Mm-hmm. She's saying, like, you need to rest. And Billy's telling him, like, you need to rest. And he's not listening to anybody. Not listening. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's like, damn it, Beeman. Just, you just blew three weeks of surveillance work. You realize that? <laughs> Kleiner could have been my ticket to Brody. Why wasn't I notified about this? He goes, if you had bothered to check the latest operations bulletin, you would have known. He goes, what is it with you lately, Stetson? You better watch yourself, mister. I'm going to go over there and kick your butt. So now we're at the agency. And Lee's still in his, what do you call that? Like tarmac outfit, I guess. Uh, It's like a, looks like a painter's uh, jumpsuit kind of thing. But he's still in that with his very poorly put on uh, five o'clock shadow. Looks like more like midnight shadow to me. <laughs> yeah, or they took like soot and just for yes. like that, 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 that. Yes, I think that's. He looks like an inmate or something. <laughs> they broke out. He's a good-looking inmate, if that's the case. <laughs> even even his like outfit is all dirty. The back of his hair is all scraggly. Mm-hmm. Like he's looking rough this episode. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, he needs his partner. Yes, he does. We need his partner. Uh, so, his hair is like creeping down his neck. Yeah. Snip it off. <laughs> so we get to see Faf. Now in the script, it was supposed to be Quid. And remember last time they did that too. It was supposed to be Quid in something else. I can't remember which episode, but it was supposed to be Quid. And instead they gave all the, the lines to Faf. So in the script, he... When he's, when Faf is talking to Lee and kind of telling him, he, he can tell he's like on the verge of burnout kind of, he goes, Quid says, you know, procedure, I need Melrose's approval to question a subject on an unrelated matter, a beat. Scarecrow, you're displaying classic symptoms of occupational anxiety syndrome. Lee says, what's that supposed to mean? And Quid says, you're becoming a real pain in the butt. <laughs> Lee shoots him a look. You'll get your authorization. And he starts down the hall and then they cut to I just thought that was funny. Like you're becoming a real pain in the ass, buddy. But Love he's that. he's got his uh his forever popsicle fudge bar in his in his hands. What is that with that? I don't understand. He's always got to have ice cream. <laughs> it's very neurotic. <laughs> I feel like that was the actor's choice. Of, like, I do too. People are gonna remember me, yeah. and they're gonna remember me because of the ice cream. It's I think you're weird. right. I kind of thought that too. Like this must be a him a him thing. Plus, he's but, like Patrice. He probably knows that it's the small things in life that sort of calm people down. Maybe or, or calms him down more. Like Jen, he's the one who's eating yeah. it. <laughs> I'm more impressed that he remembered the second time he came back. Yeah, happened. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. So Faf is getting pulled in to interrogate this person and he's doing it for Beeman's needs, right? That which is more official agency work. And Lee's trying to get him to ask questions about Brody, which is 
unofficial. And Faf is saying, you know, like, you can't, I can't just go rogue on this. I have to ask what is presented to me and what they want to know. I can't, you know, it has to be author. I have to have authorization if I'm going to go, you know, change the course of the, of the questions. So Lee's getting frustrated with him. And, and that's why we have the kind of argument of him and him saying, you know, like, you're, you're showing a, you know, a lot of signs of like burnout kind of, um, which he, we already all agreed. He clearly is displaying those. So this guy in uh, the monkey man is uh, Chase. <laughs> monkey man, monkey man <laughs> is Chase. <laughs> and, and he's like, oh, he's on the trail of your nemesis, huh? And then he goes, never try to buffalo your shrink. If he doesn't put that popsicle away, it looks like, um, I love those too. Those pudding pops, jello pudding pops, those were the best. Yeah. Those were so good. So Lee leaves him saying, you'll get your authorization and uh, later we'll see that he does go to, to Billy and gets that. Now we switch gears. Unbeknownst to us, this is intertwined, but we don't know it at the time, obviously. Uh, and this is a safe house uh, for this Dr. Dunlevy because they are trying to keep him in hiding. And so Francine's there and she's got, it's like every time she goes out on, uh, on, uh, out in the field, she's always got those little gloves on. Like she always just gets so <laughs> over the top dressed up. She what do you guys think of that suit? Fingerprints anywhere. <laughs> yes. Is that it? Um, her blue suit. Yeah. I like the, the color leather. for the eighties. I think it's cute. Like yeah. for, for sure. Yeah. Very but stylish you for that. Like age. it's it, like this part of the story is intertwined it's so unnecessary to like the integrity of the plot like it could have been just something where it was only about Brody and like there's this guy you know the scientist guy that got all intermixed in it it's so muddled like what was the what was the reasoning like the episode would have been just fine without that element yeah and oftentimes they'll do they will cut out things like that that would have helped it and then in this case they didn't it's interesting Right, like well, it could have been Francine as a target or or something, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't understand well, the scientists. Well, it's so it's, it's kind of like they're trying right. to they're pulling in so many different pieces from different episodes. You've got the the, the from the pilot Francine being you know drugged and manipulated, manipulated yeah. and told information. You've got burnout with Lee being burned out. You it, and then you've got. The retread of Brody again, the death broker, right? From uh, the eyes have it. It's just like they're, yeah. it's like the, the writers were Almost. like, oh, let's take a little sprinkling of this and a sprinkling of that and a sprinkling yeah, of that. And the one with the mathematician that they switched to. Yeah, the, the wrong number. Yeah, wrong number. Yeah. 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 So since you guys read the script, I don't um, know. I did. What is the deal? He's a scientist that's in hiding doing calculations. Mm-hmm. For a stealth radar project? Yes. But they have him locked in a house to do the calculations? They have him in hiding because he's highly sought after. And they're trying to... Other people, nefarious characters, are trying to... Uh, would would get a hold of him and have him do things like that for them, for other... For enemies. It's weak as, well, they, it's they, weak as hell, they, Jen. I'm just trying to tell you what they're trying to sell us. Well, they called it a certain program. What was it called? Um, uh, sorry. Uh, oh, there it is. Voluntary classification program, which that name doesn't even really make sense. Say it again. That he's participating in this voluntary classification program, like which I guess is this type hmm. of scientist do calculations in the house and eat bad food program. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think that's, I think that's a <laughs> symptom of it. I don't think that's the reason. Yeah, I mean, if you ask What will scientists do when we feed them crap? <laughs> Dr. McLeany would clearly be talking about the bad food and the fact that he's trapped there doing his calculations. So yeah, I'm just trying to see if the script had more information because it just seems Not a, a lot. Uh, no, they didn't have a lot in there. No, not in the script I have. Okay. Nope. We can move on then. <laughs> we'll, just, yeah. we'll just be creative in our thinking. Yeah, I do like the baby blue suit on her. I think that's cute. Yeah, so we're getting little pieces of a bunch of different episodes here. It'd be interesting to see if all these writers were involved in all those episodes. <laughs> they were just kind of pulling on that or if they actually uh, pulled it from other people's shows because it's just very reminiscent for sure. So just out of curiosity, was the script already modified or was Kate supposed to be somehow compromised? originally was it already modified for Francine to take the lead in this it seems to me I don't know anything official but it seems to me it was modified but then it was more even more modified okay like because she's hardly in it uh in the script but then there were parts where she was gonna be in it uh if I'm not mistaken so it's always supposed to be Francine that's like you know the Jonathan storyline is always there it was yes yes. okay yep it was definitely that in this version that we have but there was a little bit more of Kate in it than what we actually got, I believe. Um, and I'll, I'll, I, I'll point those out, but it's pretty much a revised script for sure. I don't think, I don't think it was intended for it to be a Amanda thing. I think they, this one was written back in March. So I'm pretty sure they, this one was probably written with the understanding that Kate's not going to be the main character like she normally was that's i kind of get that sense so francine's telling him we understand that you're frustrated we're we're trying to get this done as quickly as possible but you're gonna have to suffer uh there's nothing that they can do she's like have the chef make you a nice creme brulee it's one of his specialties he goes yeah but it ain't food i i disagree creme brulee is very tasty i also disagree i would love to have a yes especially a chef make it for me for me personally yeah sign me up yeah. I, I can learn math. Well, I can learn math. Lexi, let's be honest, we can't learn math. <laughs> Not like that he, kind of math. He, he did ask for some, later he asked for some like fast food, like burrito type, type thing. thing so, yeah. So clearly he doesn't have quite the taste. Yes, he doesn't have the sophisticated palate. <laughs> yes. I would like having a chef. I think that would be amazing. I kind of do have one. Yes. <laughs> he yeah, he comes know. with benefits. Other benefits too. <laughs> it's so funny that both of our husbands are like that. Yeah. Mine, mine could be a chef easy. Yeah. It's yeah. really good. He, he hasn't liked it lately, but he was getting into it where he was trying a whole bunch of different things too. But lately he's just like, uh, awesome. I'm just putting, he goes, I'll go, it's really good. Thanks for making it. He goes, it's food. <laughs> <laughs> he's having an uninspired moment. Or yeah, period. I think so. I think so. It'll come back. Like you guys were saying, Dunleavy is definitely not a happy camper. He wants out of there very much <laughs> as of yesterday. He wants out of there. And Francine's like, suck it up, buttercup. You're going to have to be here and it's too bad, you know, kind of thing. Just like make the best of, of a bad situation. It's like witness protection program for yeah. scientists. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Oh, that's another one This kind of reminds me of, of um, One Bear Dances, One Bear Doesn't. It's like so many different episodes in this. No wonder it annoys the hell out of me (laughs) 
it's They're running out of ideas. It's a hodgepodge. Yeah, they they got to the last uh, couple episodes and they're it's, like, oh, what else? Are it's we doing? like they they're like they already knew that Kate wasn't going to be in it, so they're like, let's go back to some of our more successful tropes and just combine <laughs> them all. Let's just bring it all in and yeah, it. no one's going to watch it anyways. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Francine says she'll see him in a couple of days, and then we're now we're back at the agency. And Billy's giving Lee kind of a lecture, you know, you need to get some sleep. You need to, you're looking a little rough, dude. <laughs> and he goes, you, you need to get a hold of yourself because I don't want a repeat of the airport. So he's saying that he's confirming that Lee's kind of screwed up at the airport, which it's true. He should have known that the other thing was going down if he would have paid attention to their their assignment board that he would have known that this was going down and wouldn't have stepped on the toes that he stepped on but it seems to me that a fugitive warrant is secondary to something like this with the, the death broker i mean i know he did, it's a hunch but dude all of his hunches have paid off plus being just wrecked it anyway he, he didn't seem like he was on, on top of anything yeah, exactly. Trigger happy for sure. At least his partner was. So Lee's still in that same damn outfit, which looks horrible on him. You can't even see his butt. It's just all like saggy, <laughs> really baggy on him. And he's got, he's looking at a bulletin board or not a bulletin board. He's looking at a whiteboard and he's got Brody at the top, then Kleiner with an X through it. And then Garrison and then Chase and Vernon and Hollister. He's trying to to figure out who all the players are in Brody's Brody's organization. Organization. Thank you. Organization. He's got a nice little flow chart going there. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and then Lee says what I said too. He's like, those guys were trigger happy and they were Billy. Totally, totally true. Like you should write them up. Um, <laughs> 40 years later, he goes, Look, Vernon stepped in front of Kleiner and opened fire. Beeman did not have any other choice. As it was, we've lost Kleiner, and it looks like Vernon's not going to make it either. He goes, yeah, well, no one's sorrier than I am. I was counting on Kleiner to get me to Brody. I thought maybe I could find something on the surveillance tapes from the airport. I've only had a chance to look at them quickly. So he's going to come back to those later, obviously. Spoiler alert. Because that's when he's going to find Francine's gentleman caller and, and all hell's going to break loose with that. But Billy's telling him, you're not going anywhere. You need to get sleep. And he doesn't want to hear it. He goes, you got to slow down. So he goes, look at yourself. You haven't taken a day off for weeks. You're a wreck. I know you feel a certain responsibility because he goes, damn right. I feel a certain responsibility. I put, I'm the one who put Brody in prison, remember? And when he broke out, he paid me back. By murdering two of my best contacts in cold blood. So I feel really bad because one of them, Sally Wong, that little, remember that little Asian uh, um, nurse that came in? I know. His yeah. Like, who could kill like her? That That's horrible. And then Peters too, which I remember Peters was somebody that was in the script that got, uh, that scene was cut. So that's from that. Uh, he was like a uh, waiter somewhere at the Russian embassy or something like that. Oh, okay. And they had a, I remember they had a scene, uh, him and Amanda were talking to him, trying to talk him, talk him uh, down, you know, from, from running out and taking off. What it's coming down to is Brody from the eyes have it broke out of prison and he's paying Lee back in a sense by killing two of his contacts. You Go know ahead. what? This is also the vibe of the one, um, Stemwinder, because isn't it Alexi? 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe it's not Stoutminder. He, like, got out of prison. He was planning it for years, like, the revenge. Yeah. But, like, he got out. Yeah. And is, like, see, like, is vindictive towards. Yeah. yeah. Where he, all he's seeing is blood from uh, Lee's blood, and that's it. Yeah. I can see that, too. There's, I, I think we've named, like, six or seven episodes here. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's a exactly. major hodgepodge. No wonder Let's I don't like it. it all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's too much, you know, hodgepodge. Mm-hmm. So, Billy's asking him, you know, you're convinced he's going to do something big. And he's like, yes, he broke out of prison. When he broke out of prison, we all thought he was going to lay low for a while, right? Well, he hasn't. Instead, he's reactivated his cell. And we know he's after something. We just don't know what it is or who he's selling it to. And he goes, well, it could be anyone from the Soviets to the IRA. They don't call him the death broker for nothing. Lee's going over what he heard, which was that the contact was on the same flight as as Kleiner but he just doesn't know who it was so he's trying to figure this out he's like it's compartmentalized but we also know this man his chain of command is falling apart we've got his man Chase and Vernon might die Kleiner's dead it's like there's not much left for him now he's only got Garrison and and Hollister so Billy finally uh agrees to give Fath uh, the authorization to interrogate uh Chase and he goes, but you need to go home and get some rest. And he's like, ah, before he can say anything, he leaves. He should want to go home and get some rest with his woman. Yes, right? Come on. Lexi, there's your uh, your lovely artwork and the one I love right behind Francine, too, in the corner there. Francine's at, at a desk in the corner, which this is where Lee's desk used to be. Uh, and Francine's there and she's working on a bunch of different things. And Lee goes over to her and says, hey, I need you to get the manifest on this Paris flight. And she's like not listening to him like i've got my own stuff to do dude you're gonna be on your own he keeps going though he's not listening and she's like lee i've just got back from dr dunleavy and i've got a ton of paperwork to do would you just please do it francie and he goes she goes you know she's like no i can't and then somebody comes up and says there's a call for her and then she looks like she's seen a ghost when she reads it now in the script it's a little different Somebody, a young agent comes up and says, call for you on, uh, on the IFF line, Francine. And Francine says to Lee, if this is Amanda again, do me a favor and take it. So it's kind of interesting. Like why would Amanda be calling Francine? Right. And why wouldn't Francine want to talk to her? (laughs) She looks at the message as the worker leaves. Her expression is stunned. And then he says, what is it? And then she's, he reads it and says it's Jonathan Stone. So it kind of falls in there. But it was just weird. Like, why would she not want to talk to Amanda? Because <laughs> what I thought in my head, and I don't know if this is true, but Amanda's maybe off because of her shooting and she's not back to work fully yet. And she's like going stir crazy. So she's calling into the office. That was kind of what I kind of played out inferring in my own head. Hmm. That's that's an interesting take on it. it makes sense. Unless they cut something out that like. Yeah. Well, they, they didn't. Though. There was nothing and else they, in the script. Yeah. In the script wide, there wasn't anything else. Seems a little weird. Yeah, doesn't it? But that's the only thing I could think of in my head is like she's going stir crazy at home and that's why she's because she hasn't been really working too much you know she's doing mm-hmm. like desk work and that's about it and right. they, never, they never really explicitly talked about that did they they mm-hmm. kind of said you know hey you know i, I know you're it's to get back out in the field yeah that's need, all it know, would be is one line. Know, like yeah yeah it's weird that they never i know yeah. they didn't take advantage of that at all kind of strange and it would have helped explain it to the fans that were like what's going on mm-hmm. you know i would have expected um <laughs> there to be more in the script 
I, I know like of these last episodes I've read like every other one, but there's still it's minimal Amanda yeah. involvement. And yeah. I don't know if it's just like the later versions of the script, but at the same time it's like they knew and there was still no rationalization given. Like this isn't day of edits, like, oh she's not showing up today. Like they still had right. time to work it in where it could have had some level of explanation and mm-hmm. we just get nothing. We get yeah. Nothing until what you guys found out what 15 years later of what the situation was going on. We found okay. out, no, we found out like uh, a year to I think less than two years. Oh, was that short a time? And they didn't even give it a chance to come back when she was ready, but well, she no, they canceled right it. Yeah, they canceled guess. it. Yeah, she was already on another show. If it was a 90s show, it would have gotten a like a reboot. Yeah, for sure. Days. It's all just the timing stuff for sure. Yeah. Yep. You know what I hope it wasn't is that there just seemed to be, you know, this was Kate or just the character likes to some need to make Amanda pretty tough a lot of the time. And maybe that would have made her look weak if she had to take more time off after the shooting. But that's normal. That's life. I mean, yeah, just talk about it. It would have made the show so much better. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's it didn't shy like, away from other topics like that, though. But I see what you're saying, Jen. Yeah, especially, like, maybe it's more of a season four thing than it is earlier on. But, yeah, I mean, she doesn't have, you know, she was hurt. Mm-hmm. Just talk about it. Yeah, she nearly died. And the the agency would have policies on this where, you you know, you have to be able to pass a physical fitness test and things like that and pass the physical with your doctor and all that. So that it makes sense that so it's not like mm-hmm. she's be considered weak. It's just normal. Your body needs to heal. You know, you've mm-hmm. just had a you know, bullet go through your shoulder, you know, through your chest, you know? Yeah, it's just a feeling I, I kind of got, hmm. uh, and especially like later, like season, late season three and season four are trying to make Amanda more tough. Yeah. But, um, yeah, which she probably wants to be more tough because she wants to be more effective, but I don't know. I think it would have been funny to talk about it unless they didn't know where the show was going, which they probably didn't. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, <laughs> they could like think write her out or something. Yep, like <laughs> if we can just get through these little, you know, if we can just get through the end of the season, then we'll worry about it for season five kind of thing. Maybe I, they might have been thinking, you know. Still, it would explain her absences. So yeah, it would, it would have been a good move. Mm-hmm, for sure. For sure. I'm not the writer. <laughs> Unfortunately. It's above, my, it's above my pay grade. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, so Francine gets the note and she's she's definitely stunned and she is just staring at it and Lee's like, hey, what's wrong? And then he takes it from her hand and he's like, Jonathan Stone. And then we get a little bit more backstory from, from Francine. God, that beard looks horrible on him. <laughs> I know. Another thing where realism is out the window. Yep. She's like, it's been five years, Lee. And he's like, I'll tell him you quit. You don't owe him anything. She's like, no, I owe him a piece of my mind. This is what frustrates me, you guys. She like, I owe him a piece of my in my mind. And then she's like, okay, seven o'clock. You know, it's like she just falls under his spell again. And just, I hate that. You know, that's the part I was like, oh, I wish she wouldn't have done that. You know, she should have, I felt like she should have stood her ground more and, and been like, hey, you owe me a big old explanation before I even think about going anywhere with you, buddy you know yeah that's just yeah, that's, that's that. what's frustrating what frustrated uh, what frustrated me and clearly she's taken aback and shocked and and you can see that there's five years of hurt and uh, and confusion on her face she does a really uh martha does a really good job on i thought on this um uh, making you feel her pain you know yeah and he just lets it go and he she's he's like i think you're making a mistake and she goes i can handle it i don't like her earrings <laughs> 
<laughs> just randomly I know, they're, throw that out there. The style is kind of, I don't know. Yeah. England, British. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what that is either. I do kind of like the the leather outfit's kind of cool, I think. It, that is leather, isn't it? It looks like it's leather. It does look shiny like leather. Our yeah. fabric, yeah, it's yeah. Le- okay. Our fabric connoisseur over there uh, always knows what everything is. So I know I'm looking. I thought it, I originally thought it was like a thick, like sateen. Oh, know, okay. It's like a thicker material, oh, okay. but 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 when she's sitting, it kind of does look a little like leather. Can so you imagine how hot see. that must have been under those lights and everything? Oh my god! And she's got that damn turtleneck on. Yeah. Too. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about a turtleneck. It's it's a thin and, one though. The, at least the 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 blouse part of it it's, it looks thinner, but that leather's got to be hot as hell. Well, it's leather, and there's giant shoulder pads. Yes, the there are. <laughs> Like, come on. It, it is, uh, for the 80s, it's really cute, I think. It's very mm-hmm. fashionable. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, I love the color. It's like yeah. a sea mist or something. And I do mm-hmm. like her hair here, too. It's very, uh, I think it's little, it's softer and not yeah. so stiff. Stiff. Yeah, thank you. It's like trying to figure out the best word to describe that. Yeah. But she gets on the phone. She says, IFF, Francine Desmond, biz, very businesslike. And then she's like, well, I'm just surprised. Say, I'm surprised to hear your voice. She goes, no, no, I'm not upset. More like shocked. And Lee's just sitting there listening. And then why does she tell him? It's just for us to know, I think. She's like, Lee, he wants to meet me at Les Michelles. He goes, tell him to crawl back under his rock. <laughs> she goes, yeah, sure. Seven o'clock is fine. Okay. And then hangs up. He goes, I don't believe it. Why didn't you tell him to go to hell? <laughs> And he's only looking out for her. He's like, at this point, he's just kind of like a big brother to her, I think. Yeah. You know, they've been friends for a long time. And, and he's seen her probably at her worst dealing with all that, too. And she's butted her nose into his relationship. Yes, so very much so. Kind of put her in the mm-hmm. Billy comes in uh, from into the bullpen and he's like, Scarecrow, I thought I told you to get out of here. <laughs> and then he leaves and goes to Amanda's house. Now, Amanda's not there yet because, you know. That's just how it is now. <laughs> so we're we're nine minutes in and no Kate. Yeah. Just one more reason I hate this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the script, it actually uh, there's another uh, scene between the boys and Lee before we get to the scene that we're about to see in film. Uh, <clears throat> and that's Jamie is getting a soft drink from the refrigerator as Philip searches through a book on baseball. Lee looks uncomfortable. Lee has changed and is clean shaven. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Lee says, maybe it's better if I come back when your mother's home. And Jamie says, stay. You can be our arbitrator. Philip and I have this bet on who's the best player in the NBA. I think, and then Philip says, I think it's Magic Johnson. And he thinks it's Larry Bird. We'll let you be the judge. Angle to include Dottie as she enters with the laundry basket in hand. She sets it down on the island. During the following, she folds the dried clothes. Dottie says, please, Lee. Settle this once and for all. I can't stand to hear these two arguing anymore. Jamie says, come on, Mr. Stetson. It's magic, right? And Philip says, don't coach him. He knows it's the bird. And Lee says, actually, I'd have to vote for Michael Jordan. And Jamie says to Philip, I said Michael Jordan before. And Philip says, you did not. As they both leave the kitchen, Lee shrugs at Dottie, who's smiling. Dottie says, tell me, Lee, are you familiar with the fourth dimension theory of laundry? And he says, I can't say that I am. And then we go on from there. Cute. Yeah. Yeah, that happens in my house. That's for sure. Socks. The mystery of the socks. The mystery of the socks. Yeah. And, and I don't have all these sets in pocket. No, I know. Seriously. Which I, yeah, it'll be fun. You pre- <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. I prefer. <laughs> I wouldn't kick him out of the house. That's for sure. <laughs> that's funny. 
instead what we get is right off the bat Dottie is folding clothes and Lee is looking very uncomfortable and then she asks about the fourth dimension of the laundry and then explains that uh, her theory is that they disappear into the fourth dimension and they reappear in somebody else's dryer. And then she's like, now you take this sock, for instance. The man's sock appeared in a load of Amanda's things. Imagine. <laughs> Beautiful sock, expensive, argyle. And he's he's like, what a coincidence. She goes, isn't it, though? <laughs> and then uh, she hears Amanda come in and she's like, okay, I'll leave you two together. And then she goes, oh, you three. <laughs> and hands him the sock. That's Dottie's way of saying, you busted. Why does he have stuff it in his pocket, though? That's what I want to know. Is he worried that, like, he doesn't want her to know, like, <laughs> your mom's on to us kind of thing? I guess. She's got to know. Dottie's got to know. Come on. Yeah. Well, she knows they're, they're close, so. Okay, so I'm going to time this because I want to see how long Kate's actually in this episode. So I'm going to time it. It's not very long. <laughs> it's a cute scene, though, a little bit. It, oh, it is cute. <laughs> yep, it is cute. Okay, here we go. And Taya, to your point, um, I think it was in another episode, but it's just her and Lee. Like, it's just Amanda and Lee. Like, Beverly leaves the scene completely and Amanda's not even there. You know, like, it's just Kate and just Brute. So they're limiting her yeah, um, yeah, yeah. exposure to other people. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Yeah. I wonder if they did it at a different time even, but. Mm-hmm. That's it, that's what they have to like, say. Yeah. Well, so she comes in and she's just you know kind of getting him to kind of filling in where where Billy left off. Like, well, stranger, my gosh, you really look exhausted. When's the last time you had some decent sleep? Oh, I lost track. Man, it's this Brody case. I'm making some headway, but it's damn slow. You work. know what? If you work 24 hours a day, you're not going to be able to think straight and you're not going to do anybody any good. Now, why won't you let me help you? Amanda, I can't. Things really gotten to you, hasn't it? Yes, it has. I feel responsible for what happened to Sally Wong and Peters. Look, they both knew what kind of a chance they were taking when they agreed to be your contacts. You know that, don't you? Brody broke all the rules, even for this game. Promise me you'll get some rest. Yeah, I guess I will. Yeah, I guess you're better. I'm worried about you. How worried? Pretty darn worried. I love you. I love you. Mm. And then he puts his face into her neck. How cute. Okay, so that was uh, a minute and 10 seconds. Of cuteness. Wow. Of cuteness. I love it. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah, she was there for a whole minute and 10. Wow. <laughs> we leave them. And Francine is now at Les Michelle's and is meeting Jonathan. Eh, he's meh to me. I, like, he's not... Yeah, and he's anything. not even that cute even though he's been all those soap operas it's not like he's dreamy or anything no he's so I don't super know. not he is not i don't know what was going on but yeah. i don't remember him at all yeah well remember last episode he was she was gonna date that brady guy and he was kind of a little like oh too he was way worse than this guy he's in her charity phase her what yeah. do you call it charity charity phase nice <laughs> Oh, one thing I wanted to point out in the, the last between Lee and Amanda, Lee says uh, when she offers to help, he goes, I appreciate the offer, Amanda, but you just slow me down. What the hell does that mean? Oh, wait, that was in the script? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I got cut. She doesn't even, she, she very nice. it says Amanda studies him sympathetically for a beat. I'd be like, slap him upside the head and say, what do you mean by that, mister? 
I'm going to slow you down. Oh, and then... Yeah, the fighters didn't get that one right. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> and then... Correct. Then um, also in that same scene, uh, it explains a little bit of why Amanda's not at the office. Okay. Amanda says, the thing, this thing's really gotten to you, hasn't it? And he goes, I can't help it. I feel responsible for what happened to Sally Wong and Peters. And Amanda says, Lee, they knew what they were getting into when they agreed to be your contacts. And Lee says, what Brody did to them broke all the rules, Amanda, even for this game. I'm just glad you didn't have to see it. And Amanda says, are you sure you don't want me to go back with you? And he says, I'm sure. You promised this time to your mother and the boys. And Amanda says, this is Francine's weekend to work. Maybe she can give you a hand. And Lee says, she's got her own problems. A guy she used to be head over heels about called her after walking out on her uh, her five years ago. For some crazy reason, she agreed to meet him at Lincoln's M Street Bar and Grill. And Amanda says, is that the guy she was engaged to? And he says, yeah. And he really dumped on her. He never called off the engagement. Just took off without a word. And Amanda says, well, I hope she works it out, but I'm more concerned about you. Promise me you'll go home and get some rest. And he says, I promise. They kiss. And then continuing, Lisa's later. And then cut to. So different restaurant. It's a bar and grill on M Street, but instead of Les Michelles. Uh, and but in the film version, uh, she meets him. And I think she lets him off the hook way too quickly. I'm sorry. I just I, I agree. I'm oh, not yeah. saying she has to be I a raging bitch to him or anything like that, but. I mean, the guy left her with, didn't even say, hey, I can't go through with it. Anything. Right. You know, just left. Yeah. You can look at it this way. Maybe she was using him for a little action. <laughs> on this? Oh, for this, you think? Yeah. Yeah. But entity, you know, she knows what she, she's working she with. She can get she's action anywhere. She can it's get... been a while. I mean, it's safe. She knows him. I mean, it's not like some guy off the street, you know? <laughs> Yeah. She has needs. Yeah, oh, I know just unraveling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's one reason why she might have jumped back into bed with him so quick. I was kind of thinking that too, but um I think I I'm glad we're aligned on that, John, because I what other explanation is there? That's what I'm trying to figure out. What other <laughs> yeah, I mean, go for the time of day. You could look at it like she goes back to him too quickly, or you could look at it like, well, hey, I might get a little bit of something I want yes. out of this guy. And she might, right, she might be trying to use him and lose him, like, mm-hmm. like spin spin the table around and let him get a taste of his own medicine. Yeah, but then be... she goes on vacation with him. That's uh, for two weeks. I mean, well, that's, that's, he's paying that's more long-term stuff. Yes, yes, yes. so funny oh that's hilarious well his business isn't doing so well so maybe she's paying <laughs> well that's a whole other thing but he's yeah. like i i i can't believe you came and she's like i almost didn't i've been sitting in my car for 45 minutes <laughs> you can tell she obviously cared about him at one point you know for sure but she's got her gloves yeah. on and then in a second she doesn't have them on again <laughs> they're like she like slips him off or something really fast. He's like, where do I begin? She goes, how about the question that's been on my mind for the past five years? Why did you leave? And he says, I, you know, I got cold feet. That's a stupid reason. She goes, a phone call would have been nice, Jonathan. I mean, all you had to do was say, look, Francine, I'm sorry. I don't want to get married now. Goodbye. He goes, he I know, by? but that's not what irresponsible people do. I just don't see her being with an irresponsible, flaky guy like that and kind of weak. I just, I just don't. Apparently he hit it. 
Guys do that, man. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> her hair does really look pretty. All the colors you, when their heads kind of tilted down at 12-12. It's really yeah. pretty with all the different highlights and stuff. But then immediately, instead of saying, like, blaming him, she's like, so what did I, you know... So did I do something to scare you? Like it's, it's just a reaction. It's just, it's just such a typical reaction for a woman to be like, what did I do wrong? You know, to make you leave, you know? Yeah, that's true. That line isn't good. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, Francine, look, you were strong and I was weak. You were independent and I didn't trust my own shadow. I put, no, I put on a great show, but I was always frightened that you would see through me. That I can understand. She's like, but you could have told me that. You didn't have to run. He goes, yeah, I know that now. Five years later, it took. You're still the only woman I ever loved. And she says, you still smile when you're embarrassed. And he's like, you're making this very easy. Yeah, you are, Francine. Don't make this so easy on him. And then she says, well, I was going to pour a drink on your head. Now, see, there's another flashback from uh, the ACM kid with uh, sex with you was always a major disappointment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It would have been. He goes, well, I'm glad you didn't. And then... He asks how things are at IFF and she's like, oh, same old dull routine. And then he's saying that uh, she, she's telling, saying that she heard that he started his own business and he says, it's been good enough. I opened a branch in Lion, but for right now, I'm going to keep the headquarters. And then Lee comes up, uh, which to me, this, this really feels more like they're just trying to inject, like it seems too contrived to me. Like they're just injecting him into it because they want to make sure like, oh, everybody loves Lee and Amanda. So we got to interject Lee into this a little bit. That's how it kind of felt to me. It just didn't feel super genuine. What do you guys yeah. think? Yeah. It's another unnecessary element. Yeah. Like just like you said, trying, trying to bring Lee and Amanda in some places, but mm-hmm. they should have just let it be a free and seen episode. Yeah. Because she, she's to. she's her own woman, and he he yep. he already said his piece by saying, you know, like you're making the mistake. You know, that's that's all he really should have said. You know. Yeah. But you guys, Lee needs his analysis for what he was supposed to do. Okay, so <laughs> that is not there. why he went there, and you know that. <laughs> And get it from him. Get it from her. No, I, it's soup's important. And, you know. So important that he's going to have to wait until the morning to get it anyways. So Lee comes to the restaurant. She introduces Lee to Jonathan and they shake hands. And then he's like, you look familiar. Have we met? He's like, I don't think so. I have one of those faces. People always tell me I look like someone they know. He goes, yeah, well, maybe I'm mistaken. And then he wants to borrow her. So he goes to make a call. And then you're right, Jen. He's asking about, you know, if she's finished the analysis. And, <laughs> and she's like, what? I told you I was going to do that. What's the big emergency? He goes, I was on the, what emergency? I was on my way back to the agency. She goes, is this really about work or are you checking up on me? He goes, yeah, it's about work. And she's like, mm-hmm. And he's like, so that's Prince Charming, huh? But he had to go by there because he had to see what Jonathan looked like. <laughs> yeah. Because then, oh, then you're you right. him on the tape, yeah. You're right. Obviously, that's why, but it just, it's, yeah. it doesn't seem like super genuine to me, you know? But obviously, yeah, they needed him to see him. And then he comes back really quick. He couldn't have made that call that fast. <laughs> She's like, well, Lee was just going. Nice to have met you. It was a pleasure. Yeah, take care. Mm -hmm. Like, screw you. (laughs) And then he takes another look at Jonathan. And then as he's looking, we see Garrison at the bar. Because, you know, they're always around whenever you're having a private meeting. And then Garrison shows up at Brody's place uh, just in time for tea. (laughs) Because 
All the bad guys drink tea, apparently. So Garrison's filling him in, and he says, uh, they went to a restaurant. It looked like things were definitely heating up. He goes, you see, the time we put in researching Miss Desmond's background was well spent. I do not like his blonde streak terror. He he looked better on the la- the previous episode, in my opinion. Yeah. It's really cheesy, especially with that gray beard. Mm-hmm. Someone's a tryhard. Uh, he goes, when I put the American stealth radar plans up for sale in Tehran... Somebody is going to make me very, very wealthy. Unfortunately, with Chase and Vernon out of commission, is that what they call dead? Uh, I'm going to have to supervise Mr. Stone myself. What about the other agent, Stetson? He was on in on the bus at the airport, and he showed up at the restaurant tonight. He goes, could be a coincidence, but even if it isn't, it won't do him any good. I've organized this operation, so there are no direct links to me. Oh, he knows, buddy. Don't worry about Stetson. When the time is right, I'll take care of him. As I sip my tea. (laughs) I know, exactly. (laughs) Exactly, Jen. (laughs) So now we're at the the agency. And Lee's got his stupid five... You know what he looks like in this scene? What? I'm so sorry. You know what he looks like? You have that picture of him where he's like sitting and he's all slouched and like he looks like all scruffy and he had like... Oh, that was from... um, uh, Oh, yeah. Thoughts Could Kill. Thoughts Could Kill when he's in the hospital. This is where... That's... He looks like that. When he's like sitting there in front of that screen. He's got that total... That total... I'm totally bored out of my mind look. Yeah. But he's got that stupid... That stupid fake scruffy look it's just so it looks like somebody just like put a cigarette out on his mouth (laughs) his tie's all crooked and his shorts unbuttoned and he just he looks haggard yeah he does so he's watching the airport tapes as he's eating a sandwich and he sees jonathan pop up on the screen that is way too much of a coincidence ladies and gentlemen Mm -hmm. so then he prints it over on the dot matrix and pulls that (laughs) up It's such a terrible printout. I know. Terrible. How can you even tell what he even looks like in that thing? It's like a shadow of a person. And then he rips it off there and it takes it off the wheels. So the next person that goes to print is going to have a jacked up print. (laughs) That's so funny. But that's what they look like. That's what those prints look like anyways. They're terrible. terrible. So now we finally get to see. So up to this point, you kind of led to believe like Jonathan's just playing her. But he's actually getting played. Brody's pretending to be a CIA handler and getting him to help prove Francine's innocence, supposedly. Um, Pretty smart to do in order to get what you want which is to manipulate Francine without finding somebody who hates her you know what I mean it's I think it was smart of him to find somebody who cares for her and wants the best for her because they're going to believe any of that because they it's too far-fetched otherwise you know and then he says you know I'm a little surprised to see you here I thought I would have been met by a couple of your men and he goes I felt this case warranted my personal attention so here they show the watch which it has two times on it and Jonathan clearly does not see it so I'm not sure because later he'll say something about it but it's like he really didn't get a chance to see it so it's a little silly there too but he's saying there's just no way Francine could be a traitor he goes believe me he goes the company wouldn't have called you in on this investigation unless we had sufficient cause now remember you may be the only one who can still prove her innocence he goes I carried that package for you guys a few years ago I thought that was the end of our association CIA never forgets a good man so somehow Brody 
has gotten access to his background to know that he did one courier type assignment for the CIA CIA years ago. It just, I don't know. That part seems a little like too many holes in that one for me to believe. Yeah. And then he's like, well, for Francine's sake, I'm hope I am. I hope I'm doing the right thing. And then he leaves. Now we get the sense that, okay, he's not, he's not a bastard, but he's a dummy, you know, and, and naive to, to believe this guy for sure. As soon oh, as, oh, go ahead. Unattractive dummy compared to Francine, especially. She's Mm. definitely slumming it with him. Yep, charity work. Yeah, charity work. That's right. So as soon as Stone leaves, Garrison comes out of the woodwork, out of the door there. And uh, he's like, Stone sounds pretty shaky to me. And Brody just laughs and says, don't worry about Mr. Stone. He's firmly convinced he's performing a patriotic act, which reminds me, I have a phone call to make. International operator, please. And now we're back at the agency and Francine is on the phone and we can see the Kremlin artwork behind her. That's uh, if you guys want to know what I want for Christmas, that's it. Just (laughs) do your best. That and the agency logo. That, oh my God. Put the agency logo in in, in first. (laughs) This can be for my birthday. How about that then? Yeah, right. That would be so cool though. So she's talking to Dunleavy, Dr. Dunleavy on the phone. And she's like, as long as you're working on the stealth project, we need control to control the preparation of your food for security reasons. He goes, I don't know how much more of this play food I can take if I don't get an El Maximo Grande Burrito Supreme smothered in onions. Pretty soon I'm going to die. (laughs) She goes, if you eat that, you're going to die. She's like, all right, look, here's what I'm going to do. The next time I come by, I'm going to personally smuggle you an El Grande whatever. (laughs) He's like, you're a saint, Francine. I think he's being a little dramatic. Okay, Lee, you need to wash your face and get that crap off of it. Seriously. He comes rushing into the bullpen and he shoves that dot matrix horrible uh, print job in front of her and says, I knew he looked familiar. Your friend Stone was on the same flight from Paris with Kleiner. She goes, oh, so that proves that he was with Kleiner. You're really reaching. He goes, maybe. He lied to you about his business. Did you know that? It's barely hanging on by a thread. Three years ago, he did some civilian work for the CIA. Meaning what? Meaning there are a lot of coincidences here. Stone may be very well uh, be the, our link to Brody. You know your problem? You're so hot to get Brody that you're seeing things that aren't there. My advice to you is to take care of your own business and keep your nose out of mine. Ooh, snarky. Now they're back at Michelle's again. Do you like her dress there? I like the off the shoulder part but I don't like the color. I don't love the color on her. I don't like the wide shoulder with the deep V. I love the earrings. I want to take those earrings off and put them on myself. I freaking <laughs> love them. It's um, hard to I see think her, her makeup is beautiful. Yeah, and, and her um, hair looks good. Her is a little It's a little wingy. Wide. It's a little wingy, it's a little yeah. Wide, but the color is fun, mm-hmm. and it does, like, the ends look soft, which is nice. Mm-hmm. You guys are crazy. That's a beautiful color purple. I am not a, I'm not a, I, I don't like the lavender so much. It looks good on, on light skin, like blondes, I think. Yeah. Purple. No, I, I don't think it's horrible. It's just not my favorite. I wish it was a little darker maybe, but I do like the V, uh, the shoulders and the V. I think that's kind of pretty, mm-hmm. but they're at the same restaurant and they're having drinks. I now. think here is where she lets him off super easy as well. Like in addition to like their personal stuff, mm-hmm. like where she asks him these questions, she's like, no, I hate to ask you this or right. whoever she said that it's so like, aren't you an agent? Like, and she is, she's a top, she's one of the yeah. best agents that they have. And she's being so soft and questioning yes. him. Is it because she knows he's weak? Or, she, or no, you know what it is? Trying, is she trying to make herself weak? Like she said, wants... Like, 
she wants to have the answers that she wants to have. She wants it to be just nice and it, it's just a coincidence and that's all it is and no big deal, you know? Yeah. But yeah, she she's very like the way she's holding your drink is just very meek and I don't know. It just doesn't seem true to her. I get it. I get it. I, I understand why she's different around him. I just I wish she wasn't. That's all, you know? Yeah. But I like how she's kind of protecting lee saying like lee didn't tell me this stuff you know like more of you know i i i talked to a lot of people in this town and and this is how i got this mm-hmm. information you know what i mean instead of like going yeah. g- just giving it up giving it up and being like well lee told me that this da 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 right. yeah so she's saying you know your business isn't doing as well as you said it was and he says well it's i was afraid if i told you the truth you wouldn't be impressed and you he goes please forgive my vanity she goes okay there's another thing and this is going to sound crazy but i heard a rumor that you were somehow connected to the cia he's like uh yes i did them a favor a few years ago hardly the kind of stuff that james bond movies are made of they asked me and i said okay now is there anything else he just yeah he just like pushes it under the the rug kind of thing she kind of like you said like she kind of sweeps it all under the rug and she's like it's just that i think from this point on uh that we should be totally honest with each other you'd like those earrings huh i'm not a fan of those at 2035 you can really see them a lot better i do like her makeup there it looks good yeah me too you know because they probably didn't have to do kate's they could probably spend a lot more time on hers <laughs> although True. probably yeah. had somebody else do uh, fred probably didn't do hers but but they probably had a lot more time to spend hair and makeup on her or less because she's in so scenes true lee comes through into billy's office and it's obviously late at night faf's interrogation hit pay dirt he says i think we got what we need to penetrate brody's organization now an 800 number is being used to set up the meeting which takes place at a rest stop on riverside and then he goes what's the recognition he goes it's nothing complex the the contact is driving a convertible with rhode island plates i'm to ask directions to rfk stadium it's all set up to go tomorrow he goes good then you'll have time to go home and get some rest and he goes right i'll do that (laughs) no you won't liar you are a liar so what does he do instead, ladies? He sits out in his car, in his Corvette. So he was just in his Corvette, correct? Yeah. Okay. He was in his Corvette and he's sitting outside of Francine's apartment and there's a fire going and... This is kind of like um, All the World's a Stage, right? right? Yeah. Love interest. Again, oh my God, there's another one. <laughs> yeah, you're Let's right. Let's drag our love yeah. and ask you a bunch of questions. They're forced know. into doing uh, this stuff. Yeah. So instead of having a good old time, he's drugging her and she's laying in bed, propped up in the bed with negligee on. That's a high bed too, by the way. Look how high that is. It's almost up to his waist. Mm-hmm. Well, at least they're showing her breathing. So we know she's still alive. Yeah. Right. God. But yeah, this totally reminds me of Tony Martinet. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. And so he's saying, I want you to go back in time 48 hours ago. So he's trying to get her to relay to them what she's been doing for the past two days because they're trying to figure out where uh, Dunleavy is being held. Unbeknownst to Jonathan, obviously. And so she systematically goes through her agenda and he records it all. And then he calls Brody. So next morning, look at that. Lee's in a different car now. Don't you love that? (laughs) First, he was in his Corvette. Somebody (laughs) stole his car and moved him from his Corvette as they stole it and then put him in an old old sedan. Isn't that funny? 
<laughs> a Corvette really isn't a reasonable car. For no, it's down not. Anyway, so yeah. <laughs> It's totally not. But that's funny, though. He's in his Corvette. and Yeah, he looks pretty rough there. He's he's like, <clears throat> and you can see right. his face. He has no stubble. It's just black soot. <laughs> There's like nothing there. <sighs> like you would think Bruce would be like, oh, cool. I don't have to shave all day, you know, shave for the next two days. Because I bet his face gets really sore shaving like that, that so often. Because he always has such a clean face. Yeah. Even when they're like filming for hours and hours. So he must have to shave a couple times a day. Mm-hmm. But he gets out of now this new vehicle <laughs> and uh, gets up and stretches a little bit. He's he's waiting to see, like, wait for Francine to come out, I guess, after her. It's like, at least she doesn't have to have a walk of shame because <laughs> it's her own apartment. Mm-hmm. So he gets out and he's stretching and then he sees Jonathan come out of her apartment and walked to the sidewalk and then a car comes up and picks him up so lee hides behind a bush and watches and then he goes to follow after them so here's where i'm a little confused so or not confused but wondering so he pulls up and the cab comes and smashes into him so is this just to point out to us one is to so he can't follow him but is this just to point out again like he's burnt out he's not seeing things like he normally would i would think that's how i kind of took it like yeah. he was couldn't catching that guy following that guy yeah and just so laser focused that he yeah yeah that he missed that big yellow cab coming at him Mm -hmm. and then he said gee i'm glad i wasn't in my corvette oh yeah (laughs) that's probably why they changed it that's too funny like we can't afford another corvette you can't get hit there you can't crash the corvette um so then we leave that scene accident scene and jonathan is handing over the little tape cassette uh to to brody and he goes look i don't know if i can do can go on with this i just it just doesn't feel right he's like i understand you should know this i've got instructions to bring miss desmond in unless we can provide concrete proof of her innocence she may go to prison he goes you can't mean that he goes, I'm afraid I do. Now I've managed to get us one more night. Let me listen to the tape and I'll get back to you. Ugh. He's playing you like a fiddle, son. He goes, if we can just zero in on the correct information, you may yet have a chance to save her. Knight in shiny armor. Uh, we're kind of driving on the road with two agency sedans and they pull up and Lee's in one of the brown little vehicles and then Billy's got two other agents with him. And he's like telling him, hey, you only have two, a range of two miles. You could be walking into a setup. And he's like, I'm ready for it. He goes, whether it is or it isn't, it's the only shot we've got to get Brody, right? He goes, all right, keep your eyes open. We'll cover your back. He goes, you got it. So then he goes down to the park to meet his, what he thinks is somebody that's going to get him closer to Brody. When in actuality, it's a setup and Garrison's there and Brody's there in the woods with a shotgun so he's the one who's going to what he thinks is going to take out uh lee and and he also shoots garrison because he doesn't want to have any witnesses cold-blooded mm-hmm. man the, that convertible with the wood siding on it that's so funny <laughs> so bad it's so bad if you're gonna have a convertible you do not put wood siding exactly on it. so lee's got his leather jacket all zipped up and everything and he's got a hat on and he goes over to the vehicle and sees that it's a Rhode Island plate. So this is his contact. The guy gets out. He's like, hey, how do I get to RFK Stadium from here? He goes, sorry, I'm new to the area. And then Billy luckily sees 
Brody and says, Lee, get the hell out of there. And he drops, but he's shot. And then he also then Brody takes another shot at Garrison because he can't leave witnesses, obviously. So Lee's left on the ground. We don't know if he's, you know, alive or dead at this point. Because, you know, Kate's half gone off the show. So I guess what does it matter, right? If we lose both of them. (laughs) Just kidding. Lee gets up, obviously, and he's got a vest on. And uh, Garrison's not doing so well. He doesn't have a vest on. He's been shot in the chest and he's barely hanging on. And Lee's like, listen, Brody never intended for you to to make it out of here. Now you don't own anything. You got two choices. You can lay here and bleed to death or you can tell me what he's after. Stone, he goes, Stone, working the woman. He goes, what woman? He goes, Francine Desmond. And then he dies. And I think Brenda was like running through some sprinklers and then decided to shoot. He's got water all over his back. (laughs) Yeah. Then we cut to the agency and Francine's looking very upset. It's like, it's probably deja vu, no no pun intended here, but deja vu because she's having to relive this whole thing that she's the one who's getting drugged and doesn't even know what kind of thing. She's like, I've already submitted my blood sample to the lab. Here are the cases I'm involved in. The resignation is on the bottom. He goes, I'm not interested in your resignation. I'm just trying to be, ob-. she goes, I'm just trying to be objective. He goes, oh, come on. It's too late for objectivity. The guy spent the night. She goes, you're spying on me. He goes, someone ought to protect you from yourself. So you appointed, who appointed you Stetson? He goes, hold it. This isn't getting us anywhere. I'm going to follow through on all the Francine's cases. I want you two to take a walk and just cool down. So then he takes off and Lee and Francine are a little, feeling a little awkward here. He goes, look, I'm sorry. I'm just tired and the whole thing here is just stupid. She goes, oh no, no, I think I take the prize for stupidity today. She's like, look, I really need to talk. And then takes off so they're they're gonna go for a walk which i do like this it's kind of this rare times that they get to really you get to see the softer side of both of them and see how close they really are because they're always snipping at each other but this just shows how supportive they are of each other i think um in that last scene i did want to point out uh when they all walk into billy's office you can actually see a microphone a boom mic um as they enter the office there so oopsies so she's saying i've been in it long enough to know better than to let anything like this happen to me because you're taking this entirely too personally i mean even itzak perlman isn't has a clinker now and then she was right and Art Monk, which I don't know. I know who uh, Itzhak Perlman is. He's a musician, but I don't know who the other person is. Do you, Jen? No. Uh, And she says, right, and Art Monk drops the ball. He must be a basketball player or something, I guess. Uh, But Francine Desmond does not allow herself to be uh, compromised, she says. Since, not since the pilot, at least. (laughs) Uh, He is a football wide receiver. Oh, okay. Probably for the Redskins. Or, yeah. I um, imagine. Yes, the Washington okay. Redskins, the okay. New York Jets, and Philadelphia Eagles. It's probably okay. Redskins at the time. Do you ever think, maybe you're just not cut out for this line of work, she says. I do think that everybody has twinges of self-doubt from time to time. But I'm doing what I've wanted to do ever since I can remember. She goes, I wish I could say that. I never felt I had much of a choice. My father, he wanted me to compete in a man's world, right? So I worked twice as hard as any man I ever knew. And I succeeded. If I hadn't been so driven to please him, things could have been different with Jonathan. See, it's like she's always blaming herself, you know? It's true to form. I was just reading something about this, about, like, getting uh, women who get with uh, emotionally unavailable partners because they that's what they're trained to seek out. And it sounds like with her dad, she was always trying to reach his approval, and yeah. she never could. Yeah. And so now with this guy, like, he actively chose not her he chose mm-hmm. to not be with her so she's blaming so, herself 
Exactly. So yeah. it's pretty on brand, unfortunately. But she I, might I, be, I don't like it. Well, and I'm not disagreeing, but she might be recognizing something in herself five years ago that was a little more hard and competitive and on edge. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, if you are entering into a relationship, I mean, that might have been her mode of operation as an agent, but she may have re- maybe recognizing that yeah. you have to be a little bit different in your personal life with especially you know, seeing make them a priority. Because now she's seeing Lee and Amanda in a in a relationship and mm-hmm. how how much Lee's changed for the better, you know? So I think that also is like, that's helping her to recognize like, okay, I'm getting to the age where I need to start settling down instead of working so hard on mm-hmm. my professional life. I need to really focus on my personal life. Yeah. And maybe that was the right thing for her at the time. And it's just good. It didn't work out because yeah. he obviously was a kind of a prude anyway, but you know, <laughs> now she might be recognizing that balance, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah. Even if she didn't get together with him, maybe she went on vacation with him and and then they broke up with him and got, you know, entered into some new relationship. She might have a different perspective. Yeah. Well, and maybe she can move on now from this relationship, hopefully, and, you know, be ready and available for the next person, you know, not necessarily this guy. But Lee says, hey, you and I have known each other for a very long time, haven't we? She's like, yeah. He goes, I just want you to know, whatever happens, I'll be here for you. She's like, oh, thanks. That means a lot, really. Come on, let's go see what Dr. McJohn has for us. She's like, yeah. And then now we're back at Brody's place and Jonathan's there. And he says, I listened. Brady says, Brody says, I listened to the tape. Now we need to get more specific. She mentioned a Dr. Dunleavy. We need to know what procedure she uses to contact him. He goes, okay. He goes, oh, by the way, I don't know if this is important or not. But while we were having lunch, she got paged. It was Stetson calling her back to the office. He goes, are you sure it was Stetson? He goes, yes. Is that any any problem? He goes, no, no. We're on top of things. I'll be in touch. So he's thinking he shot and killed Lee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now he's All like, right. oh, crap. They're, he's still alive. That's not good. He's not dead. Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. I, I, it's this scene now when they walk into the office. So once Lee and Amanda, or Lee and Amanda, I'm so used to saying Lee and Amanda, when Lee and Francine come back into the, back to the agency after their talk and after seeing Dr. McJohn, they walk into Billy's office with him. That's when you see the boom mic. Yeah, I just saw it. Yep. Nice. Uh, they're saying uh, that they won't, even if she was put under hypnosis, they wouldn't be able to tell what she's, what she's uh, told them. And they just can't figure out what, what's going on with Brody's, um, what Brody's after. And then that way we get to see that weird Buddha animal thing under that weird picture of the, of the um, American rose. <laughs> so odd. Love that thing. It's so like weird. The, the state flower. <laughs> the state flower. Yeah. It's so funny. So they want to bring stone in and he goes, no, if we do that, we risk scaring Brody off. If we want to find him, we've got to follow Jonathan. That's, we got to see what he wants. She goes, I can find out what it is. This is not a personal vendetta for either of you. And he goes, we've got to get Brody, right? She goes, and I could lead, we can't take the chance. Dr. McJohn says there's an antidote to the drug. It won't reverse the effects of deja vu too, but it will block them, at least temporarily. She goes, that's right. And I have dinner with Jonathan tonight. When he gives me a drug, I can find out exactly what it is. You say the antidote is temporary. He goes, it's effective for only three or four hours. He goes, that's fine. I'll just take it right before we things get heavy. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah, see, she's looking forward to getting some. <laughs> she is. <laughs> you can get, I know, why would she even want, to, I mean, I would be so disgusted at the fact that he would do this to me, that this guy, after he leaves me at the altar, then he comes back and plays me and then drugs me. <laughs> 
Really? I'd yeah, be like, I'd punch that guy so hard. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. Although I didn't think he was helping her, but still. I know, I know. But she doesn't know that at this point. Right, right. So Billy wants to set up a tag team and and Mike's and she's like, no, just me. And he's like, huh? Lee says, she's right, Billy. Brody has a 2020 nose. He smells agency. He's going to be a no show. Look, Brody already knows that his operation's blown. Uh, Francine says, Lee and I'll work out a call a call-in procedure. If things go sour, you might have to take Jonathan out. She goes, I understand, sir. You're gonna have to kill him, Francine. I'd be like, that's the best part after he did all this to me. (laughs) So now we're back at Francine's apartment and she comes home and sees, uh, she's got a message, so she plays it back and it's Jonathan saying, hello, sweetheart. I hope you're up for Indian food. See you tonight at eight. I have to say, I love her apartment and I love her outfit. Oh, I do like, I I like, yes, I agree. Love. Agree. She's got style and class. She's got style. She's got class. She that's the song. So she became the nanny. Oh, is it? Okay. I was like, I don't know that song. So Francine gets on the scrambler so she can call Lee and tells him uh, what the plans are. And then she goes into her room to get ready. And Jonathan's on the bed, knocked out. And then Brody comes out behind her and she gives him a little bit of a fight there. And then he squirts some crap in her face and she goes down. (laughs) So he gets her down and then he injects her with something, that deja vu drug, I guess, before she's had a chance to take it. Because now he's he's pulling out all that information from her to get uh, what the procedure is to get to Dunleavy. So she tells him exactly where he lives what street what number of the house and then what the procedure is to uh get let into the the safe house he is really a bastard isn't he yeah he's a baddie he really is so then we we're at the safe house and we hear the the procedure and the guy goes to the door and opens it and then he gets sprayed in the face with that whatever that stuff was as well but i mean you don't even recognize the guy and you're going to open the door i i just don't get that yeah their security protocols were pretty lax you mm-hmm. know like a, se- a secret door knock that on the off chance yeah. anyone could just happen to do yeah um and then to open it all the way to and not have like a passcode or something mm-hmm. it seems a little wild mm. dunleavy comes in and he's like oh i'm putting you up for sale and he's like huh <laughs> guess uh that food wasn't so bad after all there huh buddy so lee's waiting in his vehicle and he's checking his watch like hey she's already missed two check-ins so he's calls billy and tells him he's going to go in and check on her which another episode of the Stemwinder two when amanda says lee's missed his last couple of check-ins and she goes in to his apartment or to Sonia's apartment. Yet another one, guys. So Billy Billy gets on the phone and uh, he's just wondering if they slipped past him because he hasn't seen them. And he goes, no, they haven't shown up at the restaurant either. And this isn't like her. He goes, I'm going in. So then he goes in and finds Jonathan there. Crashed, obviously. And yeah, I do like her apartment for the most part. It's very uh, modern for the 80s during that time yeah that's why i like it mm-hmm. i like that vibe yeah so lee comes in and finds jonathan there and he tells him to be quiet because the phone's ringing i don't know why he tells him to be quiet but i guess but he doesn't know that they're the only ones there still he answers the phone and he's like yeah Scarecrow, I'm sending out a flash alert. Jack Dunleavy was Brody's target. An agency team got to the safe house five minutes after Brody grabbed him. That's not the half of it, Billy. Francine's missing too. Dun, dun, dun. I always love Mel's, uh, what kind of faces that he makes? Like, this is new information. (laughs) 
Faf is interrogating Jonathan to make sure, which I'm glad they're doing that to make sure that he's not in on it as well. Right. And kind of feeding him a bunch of lines. He was comes clean and says, hey, I thought I was helping the CIA. He didn't know he was he was hoping he was helping Francine. They've been working on me for months. I mean, he's a real professional. He knew all the names of my prior CIA handlers, dates, details, the whole thing. He goes, a simple yes or no. He goes, yes. And then the guys are talking on the other side. So Brody with the voluntary class classification project, the names and the identification of every agent assigned to that program with Brody's connections, it probably wasn't difficult to link Francine with Jonathan. I don't know how he would, I don't know how he has access to that, but apparently he does. Faf comes out and says, well, the, the machine seems to say he's telling the truth. So now we're at the airport back at Dulles again, but this time it's the daytime and Dunleavy's in one crate and Francine's in another. This reminds me of another show. <laughs> are you gonna, do you know what I'm talking about? Madagascar when all the animals are in different crates. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's just kind of weird to put them in crates like that. Well, at least there's holes in them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he tells them these are for animals and doesn't matter if you make any noise because nobody's going to pay any attention because they're just going to think you're an animal. <laughs> but I'm truly sorry for the restraint. Except those eyes turned back at you. I so know. They're so, <laughs> they're like so blue and they're this piercing. <laughs> Definitely not animal-like. Like, I know. You know. Obviously we're animals, but you know what I mean. Human. Yeah. Yeah. So she's uh, locked in the crate. So is Dunleavy. He's knocked out. Uh, and then they're uh, getting them loaded into uh, the plane. So I guess he's taking Francine for, for like insurance. I was wondering about that. I, I guess I would have left her. Unless she, I mean, unless she has information. Yeah, it's like he's probably he's probably thinking, oh, well, how fortuitous, you know, I can can uh, see what else I can pull from you and maybe sell some more stuff, you know. But they were, aren't they like selling agents back in like season one or two? So maybe he can oh, sell yeah. her. Or I don't know, yeah, but, you know. it, probably that would be the eventual thing after. But I bet she would get information from her first. Mm-hmm. Brody pays off one of the airport workers and that's how he gets the those crates loaded onto the plane and. And then he gets on the phone and he calls the international operator. So this is a second international call. And he says, yes, they're on. Here's a telephone number. And so he makes a makes a, a call from there. And now this is the same 800 number that they use. And the agency is able to pick that up. And they were able to trace it back to the airport. And that's how they know that he's at the airport. Because it's the number that they called is in Tehran. And this is where I mentioned earlier, Jonathan then speaks up and says, oh, well, he had a watch and it had two time zones on it. And they were able to, to pinpoint it to Tehran, which this, again, another very weak, weak plot point in here. One of them is set eight and a half hours ahead. The only place eight and a half hours ahead from us is Iran. Check to see if there are any recent calls to that same number. So then Ephraim Beeman's on the computer and he says, last call was a pay phone at Dulles. And he goes, no tag team. I don't want to take the chance of spooking him. He's already got two hostages. He goes, two hostages. Yeah, scientist named Dunleavy and probably Francine. Check with air traffic control of any unscheduled flight leaving. You know, Scarecrow, let's go. Oh, that big emblem behind them. I would love that. It's That one's a metal one. That's not like a sticker like that one was. So they're like on a, like a, it looks like an army cargo plane. 
It's like camouflaged. I think they pulled this out of a museum somewhere. Like you think? I mean, <laughs> Maybe. I'm from Tucson, and there's a huge uh, museum, airplane, air, avi- um, aviation museum, mm-hmm. and they all look like this. They got like numbers scribbled on the props, like this one does. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like well, I, I'm betting that this wouldn't have taken off. David and I went to uh, this uh, this company who they they leased and, and rented these air parts, airplane parts and and fuselages and things like that to the to LA's the to the studios in LA and such. Mm-hmm. You know, and we it, got to take sense. tons of pictures. It was really cool to to kind of hang out and see all the, the cool stuff they had there. Yeah, makes sense. So they're showing a picture of Brody to all the people at the airport and they show it to one guy and he's like, Oh yeah, he was just talking to the to the manager a little while ago. He goes, That plane over there <laughs> talk about fortuitous. It's an unscheduled flight. On it's on the taxiway. So Lee grabs the little, I don't even know what you call that little truck thing uh, at the airport with all the luggage and stuff. He grabs that and rushes out to the airport to chase down the uh, air, airplane. Meanwhile, Francine's saving her own butt, which is, I love, I love this part that she's, you know, got herself uncuffed and she's got her, uh, oh, wow, look at that. Her heel has a little device in it. Lee's not the only one who has stuff like in his uh, in his clothing and such. All the tricks. All the little tricks. Good thing she was wearing that particular pair of shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little explosive uh, gadget and she puts it on the lock so that she can blow herself out of there. Just then Lee is coming up on uh, the airplane and jumps off and squeaks in just in time before the door is shut. And then Brody and him are, are having a shootout. Meanwhile, the the pilots are just going on their merry way anyways, even though there's a shootout in the in the plane. Give it up, Brody. It's all over. The only place this plane is taking you is back to the federal pen. Because that being the case, Mr. Stetson, I'd better take you out before I go. <laughs> Meanwhile, Francine's setting up her explosive device. Don't drop it. <laughs> so Lee kicks a crate onto Brody and, and then he starts shooting and then he's run out of bullets. He's like, he just keeps clicking, 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 clicking. And Lee's like, uh, I think I'm good. And then goes after him and subdues him. And then Francine gets loose, blows herself out of there, <laughs> looking a little uh, disheveled, which I'm glad that's a little more realistic. But nothing, no marks on her outfit, thank goodness. So then she sneaks up to the cockpit and then grabs the gun from the uh, the holster of the pilot and then tells him to ease up on the throttle. I'm a federal agent. This plane is not taking off. Yeah, buddy. Put her down. Lee knocks out Brody. He's victorious once again against the bad guy. And then they turn around and look at each other and big smile. She gives him a thumbs up and he gives her one. That's cute. Still don't like this episode, but... So now we're back at the uh, at the house again. Uh, and so Lee and Amanda are uh, cleaning up. Well, Amanda's cleaning up the dishes and he's drinking coffee. Well, somebody's research is safe. Brody is where he should be. Yeah. Federal prison. And you're back here where you should be with me. You bet. Hey, if you drink that coffee, you're not going to be able to sleep tonight. Yeah, well, if I don't drink it, I'm not going to be able to stay awake. Well, you don't need to stay awake. You need to get some sleep. About 36 hours worth. Yeah. Since I wrap up Jonathan's debriefing, I'll sack out, leave a wake-up call for Tuesday. You don't think Jonathan's such a bad guy anymore, do you? No. He just made the mistake of trusting the wrong person. He was only trying to help Francine. Well, what do you think's going to happen with Jonathan and Francine? We'll know in about two weeks. 
taking off on vacation together tomorrow. Really? Mm -hmm. Gosh, I hope that works out. Yeah. Well, you know what they say, everything comes out in the wash. Oh, speaking of the wash, something of yours came out in ours. Oh, no, not another sock. Nope, not a sock. Oh. I'd recognize him anywhere. Okay, so literally two minutes and like 10 seconds she was in this episode. Wow. That's cute, though. The whole blue boxer thing. That's there's a whole there was a whole site back in the 2000s and night late 90s, 2000s. That was uh, blue boxers and beyond, which was a fan fiction site. It spawned all of that. (laughs) Now in the script, the only thing different is she just says at the end, he goes, not another sock, I hope. She goes, nope these she holds up a pair of blue boxers embarrassed lee snatches them away freeze frame fade out so just a little bit different i like what we got instead not much difference though like i said yeah, yeah. just a small small taste a little tweak a little like, tweak um, yeah a little tweak yeah mrs marston received a sweet note in the mail jody nk says i discovered your podcast just a few months ago and i love it Watched the show in the 80s. I was 13 when it started. I had slash have quite a a crush on Lee Stetson. Join the club, Jody. You're in good company here. I have the series on DVD and can't even imagine how many times I've seen each episode. Thank you for this awesome podcast. Thank you, Jody, for tuning in. Uh, We always love interacting with fellow fans and new listeners. We appreciate your kind message as we move into our final couple episodes of this five-year project. Mrs. Marston and I aren't sure if we'll receive another contribution to the mailbox before our final episode, so we'll share this now. Thank you to all the fans who have sent us messages and feedback throughout the years. We appreciate you and have loved hearing from our fellow SMK fans. For a show that's nearly 40 years old, the fact that there are so many of us with such affection for the show is truly heartwarming. Thank you for the hours of listening and the time those of you have spent engaging with us on email, Facebook, and Twitter in person, and really just taking the time to listen to us chat about something we're passionate about. Uh, We appreciate those of you specifically that have sent mail into Mrs. Marston's mailbox too. We're down to our second to last Dottie's bookshelf and Dottie doesn't disappoint with her recommendations for this week's episode. Her first fanfic recommendation is Sweet Dreams by Bryn Gerard in September 2016 and has about 17,000 words. This is an M-rated story for mature audiences. Lee and Amanda work through the struggles of their secret marriage and get a chance to reset their past. Dottie's second recommendation is Underwear, written by Lainey Sullivan in June 2016 and has about 1,600 words. This is a cute alternate explanation as to how Lee's blue boxers popped up in Amanda's laundry. We hope you'll enjoy reading or rereading these stories. If you do, please be sure to let the authors know. As always, we'll provide links on our website at MKC Podcast in the show notes, but you can also find them on fanfiction.net. The title of Lainey's Underwear. Yeah. <laughs> our new camera brings you videos from the vault for the episode A Matter of Choice. The first video is based on the song Running Up That Hill by Placebo. The creator, Love SK, made this video to highlight all our favorite characters, Lee, Amanda, Billy, and Francine, and all the risk they place on both themselves and family members. This is something that puts Francine in clear and present danger in this episode. The second video is selected to remind Lee that, yes, he still needs Amanda, even though he is not working with her on this case. 
The song is I Want You to Need Me by Celine Dion, and the creativity behind the video goes to Tessa Kendall McKenzie. And lastly, I wanted to make sure we celebrated Francine's great work in this episode by adding a video with clips highlighting her character. To do so, we have selected a video by Moxie's SNK Vids that captures clips of Francine's perspective on season two coming out on DVD. These videos can be found on YouTube, and we provided links on our website at mkcpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us for our discussion of A Matter of Choice. Join us next time as we chat about the final episode in our revised season four lineup suitable for framing. For more fun, check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Mrs. King's Chronicles and our private Facebook group at MKC Podcast. Until next time, for the last time, bye. 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 bye.